Megillah Chavav Amud Aleph. We're talking about uplifting your past. And as I, as I mentioned, it's, this is really a, a part two of, of yesterday's Matmonim, where we talked about the uh, paradox between Yediyah and Bechira, how much is predetermined, how much is Hashem set in stone, how much can we affect things and change our circumstance. Uh, this brings a slightly different dimension to it. When one asks a foundational question on a piece of Gemara, uh, the purpose is not just to clarify the text. It's for that, of course, it's for that as well, to clarify the text. But if the question is the right question, if you're asking something which is foundational enough, then in the answer to that question, you've got a, 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 new, a new understanding of reality. It's not just about the piece of Gemara. If the question is the right question, when you've answered, and that's what a matmon is, isn't it? A matmon is to ask the question that digs down to the essence of the piece of Gemara in a way that reveals a treasure that you can use and apply in life. That's what the, the power of Akashi is, of asking the right question on a piece of Gemara. And today we're going to deal with the question of the Mashor. I've mentioned the Mashor many times to you. He's become neglected in our rush to cover ground because a Mashor slows you down. Uh, a mashor, as I've mentioned to you, the Chazanish said you should learn mashor on every tosfus, uh, and he makes you stop and think, and you, you realize that he has understood the tosfus differently from you. Uh, you've got to relearn the tosfus. He slows you down, uh, and in our world of haste, we don't slow down. And the mashor's been uh, been somewhat left left aside. What's interesting to me is that uh, I came across, you know, uh, growing up and developing and being. Uh, a, a rov outside of Eretz Israel all these years, I've not been exposed much to the Gedoli Israel of the Sephardi world. Uh, we have our, our Gedoli, and that's, that's what we know. It's only coming to Eretz Israel that I begin to be exposed to some of the, uh, the thinking and the, and the godless material of the, the greatness and terror of the, of the Sephardi world, particularly in North Africa, Syria. Um, there, there was the Rosh Hashiva of Purat Yosef, who was also the Rebbe of Ravavadya Yosef, was Rebbe Ezra Atya. Bezra Atya came from Chalab in Syria. And uh, Chalab in Syria was an enormous Makam Torah for centuries. Unbelievable Torah was coming out of, of Chalab. Um, and in some ways, their approach, the Syrian approach from Chalab, is very aligned to the Lithuanian approach, strangely. And even stranger, I remember reading a, a while back, and I can't remember where, that when they did DNA studies on the Jews of Lithuania and the Jews of Chalab, they found... Similar, similar genetic material, and the only authentic genetic material they could find among Jewish people that goes back to ancient Jewish genetic material that they found. Mm-hmm. Syria and Lithuania were the two places. And we see in their approach that there's a similarity. So in the Lithuanian tradition, the Marshaw is enormously important. The Marshaw is from the 16th century, but he was in, in Europe, in Poland. He was a rov and a rosh yeshiva there. Uh, and as I said, the Chazanish was very happy than ever. You can see clearly that the Gedola Acheronim all, all focused on the Marshaw. Um, and Reb Ezra Atya from, from Chalab used to, in, that was his, the discipline, that was the, the schedule in the yeshiva, in Parat Yosef, Gemara, Rashi, Tosfus, Marshal. That's how one, that's how one learns. And somehow, as I say, in our rush to turn the pages, the Marshal gets abandoned. And you can't understand, you know you don't understand the Gemara. If you haven't learned the Marshal, you know you don't understand the Gemara. Uh, so, it's, so it's really important. Today we're, we're going to deal with a kashu of the, of the Marshal, a question the Marshal asks. We've actually dealt with it before. We dealt with it back in April last year in Yuma Dafyud Bays, where we have a parallel piece of Gomorrah. And I gave a different answer to the question there, and, and we we're going to approach it from a slightly different angle. 
The Gemara is the Abraisa Mahia Bechelkoshi Yehuda. What was in Yehuda's Chelek in Yerushalayim? According to one Mandomer, according to one of the Tanoim, Yerushalayim was half Yehuda and half Binyomin. According to other Mandomer, it didn't belong to any Shvati. Harabayit Halishkot Vahazarot. Yehuda had Harabayit, the outside area of the, of the Harabayit, before you get to the walls of the, of the Beis Amikdash. The Azarot, which is the Ezra's Noshim, which is the big area in front, and then the Ezra's Yisrael, which is 11 Amot past the Shah Niknur, as you get into the inner part of the Beis Amikdash, and the and Ezra's Kohanim. All of that, right up to the Mizbeach, just about an Amma away from the Mizbeach, up to there was Yehuda. What did Binyamin have? The Ulam, the Hechal, the Kodoshim, the Kodosh Kodoshim, the Hechal, the Shulchan Menorah, and and the Mizbeach Aktor it was. And he had the Ulam, the lobby in front of that. And a little strip protruded from Yehuda's area and penetrated into Binyamin's area. And on that, the Mizbeach was built. And that part of the Mizbeach, which is, according to most, the eastern wall of the Mizbeach and the southeast and the southern wall of the Mizbeach, did not have a Yesod, except for a little very, very small piece. The Mizbeach didn't have a ledge around it in that part of it, because the Yesod was there for the spilling of the blood, and that was only done in other parts of the Mizbeach, not in the part of the Mizbeach that belonged to Yehuda. And just, and just on that, we discussed last time, I explained to you the beautiful Maharal, in Zvochim, Dafnun Gimel, because we have the same sugya, not only in Yuma, but also in, in Zvochim. And the Maharal there talks about how there was a band around the circumference of the world, from the Mizbeach all the way around and back to the Mizbeach. And on this band were all the Shvotim. And the first on the band was Yehuda, and the last on the band was Binyomin. So they meet back again at the Mizbeach, and it had a tongue and a groove kind of joint, so that they really joined well together. That was the penetration of Yehuda into into Binyomin. If you remember, that's how I explained it in, in Yuman. V'haya Binyomin HaTzadik mitzta'er aleha b'chol yom levolain. And Binyomin HaTzadik, not the Shevet Binyomin, the man Binyomin, worried all his life about the fact that there's this little piece of Yehuda penetrating into his territory. Sh'neamar chofef alav kol hayom. says in the Posuk of chofef alav kol hayom in Vorim that the he was like rubbing his clothes, rubbing his hands, or scratching his hair, however you'd want to learn. He was worried all day. Therefore, because he was so worried, Binyomin had the schus that the Oron was in his area, that the Shechina was in the Oron's area, in Binyomin's area, and we all face Binyomin. So we stand on the east side, wherever we are on the Beis Amikdash, on the Harabais, we're facing Binyomin, we're facing the west. And as I mentioned then, unlike all the uh, places of worship at that time. It's still today when they dig up archaeological places of worship, all religions face the east where the sun rises. We face the Shechina, which happens to be in the west if you're on that side of Yerushalayim. Um, anyway, we see that Binyomin was worried all, all day about this, and because of his worry, he had the, the schus of the Besa, of the Oren being in his area. <laughs> Asks the Marsha, so the Marsha gives, um, just that touch also, I mentioned it back in, in Yuma, but it's so important, that the reason that, that Yehuda and Binyomin were, were separated this way is that in Binyomin's section was the Kapora. The, the um, Mizbeach is for the Kapara of Bnei Yisrael, the atonement of the Jewish people. In Yehuda's section was the Lishkat HaGazit, where the Sanhedrin sat. 
And we spoke about the difference of the role of the melech, which is outward and judging and politics and community and, and kahuna who work on the mizbeach, which is inward. And the uh, spilling the blood, the blood is the inner part, represents the most inner part of the human being. Uh, and when we spill the blood on the Mizbeach, that's, that's taking the inner feelings and thoughts and emotions of the human being and bringing them to the Mizbeach. That's very inner work. That's not for Yehuda. And so Yehuda goes up to the Mizbeach, but no further. When it comes to judging the nation, the Lishkat HaGazit, that's, that's Yehuda's role. And there's a separation, says the Marsho in, in, in Zvochim, it's not right for the kuna to be in the place of Malchut. That Amo, which was in the area of Yehuda, not Binyomin, that's why there was no Yesod to the Mizbeach, because the blood wouldn't be brought there, because that's not where Kapora, Kapora doesn't take place where politics is. And he was worried about that all the time. All the time, what is was he worried about? He was worried that because of this strange arrangement, there wasn't a yesod around the whole mizbeach. The mizbeach looks imperfect; it looks unfinished, and that bothered Binyamin all the time. I'm responsible for the mizbeach; it's in my area, and and it's unfinished because Yehuda's there. Let's just push Yehuda back a little bit, and we can build a yesod, and the mizbeach will be good. And it, aesthetically, it bothered Yehuda all that bothered Binyamin all this time. Tosfus says a little differently. He says, He wanted to own the Kapora process. He wanted the Mizbeach to be in his chalik. He didn't, didn't want Shutafim in that. He didn't want partners in that, is how Tosfus learns it. The um, Marshal goes on to say, and here's his question. It's clear that Yehuda had Nevoah. And Yehuda could see the layout of the whole base uh, Binyomin, and Binyomin could see the layout of the whole base Hamikdash. So he knew where Yehuda comes up to, and where the Mizbeach was, and and which part was his. And he could see that the uh, that the Ulam and the Hechal and the Kodshe Kadoshim, where the where the Oren is and where the Shechin is, he could see that that's in his area. Then the Gemara goes on to say, Lefichach, because he was so upset about the Mizbeach, Zachar Binyamin and Aseush Piskin Shechina. He got the merit of the of the Oren being in his area, says the Marshal, but he knew already it was in his area. It had been predetermined. So what is the Lefichach Zacha? How did he Lefichach Zacha? That's the Marshal's kasha, which he doesn't answer. How, how do you really understand that? It doesn't answer satisfactorily with different part, pieces of Gemara, but it's, there's, no, there's no clear answer to that. So in, in Yuma, I explained to you a different way of looking at time. And we looked at time instead of a linear process, we looked at it as a layered process. Where Pesach is on top of Pesach this year is on top of Pesach last year, on top of Pesach the year before. And if you take a line through any point in time, you've got that day of each year all the way back to, to the beginning of creation. Uh, as a different way of understanding time, and we resolved it that way. Today, I want to use yesterday's year in order to resolve it a little bit. So what did we say yesterday? That, that there's very little circumstance that we can change. That we spoke about it in Chazal, we spoke about it, Viktor Frankl's idea. That I call Bidei Shemaim Chutz Shemaim. Everything is predetermined, everything is Bidei Shemaim. Hashem controls it all. There's very little you can do to change your circumstance. But there's everything you can do to change your attitude to your circumstance. And what's important is your attitude to the circumstance is what matters. Uh, and, and Viktor Frankl's own, own life is the example. And I told you, he, he spoke to us about that. The, that he believes he was able to survive where many others weren't because of the attitude he adopted, not because he was treated any differently. He was treated as bad as, as badly as everybody else. And, and his whole work there was to look at the linkage between attitude and survival. 
an attitude and thriving and how through adopting it, a purpose-driven attitude and working for living for something higher than yourself, what that does to your health and your well-being and your prosperity, it affects everything. And that's a principle that, that I use in business with my clients. It's the essence of everything we do. If your business is for something higher than making money, everything works out better. If you as an individual are living for something higher than your job, than your work, you're living for something bigger, it's better for your health. And we've got Evidence of that and proof of that, there's no question about it. And that's our Kolbe De Shemayim Chutz Stop trying to change your circumstance. Change your attitude because that you can control. And with the right attitude, your circumstance will have a different effect on you. So yes, you might have hardship and the person next to you also has hardship, but it makes the person next to you ill and you thrive. What is that about? That's about attitude. It's not about circumstance. It's about Yirat Shemayim. So now let's look at, at, at Binyomin. Binyomin doesn't, isn't changing the circumstance. The circumstance is predetermined. The Kodshe Kedoshim is going to be in the area of Binyomin. Binyomin sees the little bit of Yehuda protruding for whatever reason, the Mashor's reason or Tosfus's reason, and he's very upset about the fact that he doesn't own the whole Kapora process. Hashem admires that, that Agmas Nefesh, that Fadrus, that worry, that sadness. Hashem admires it. And then it says, and for that, Hashem puts his presence in, in Binyomin. But we said that's already done. But if you look at the words, Lefichach Zacha Binyamin, it doesn't say, Lefichach Binyomin Na'aseh That is why Hashem put his presence in, in Binyomin. It doesn't say that. It's Lefichach Zacha. He got the schut of it. Some, you can have something that's given to you and there's no schut. There's only a schut. Schut means you merit it. Schut means... You're rewarded with it. Schut means you've earned it. And the whole reason we've given, we've given the li- a life as well, of Sadia Gon and many others since him have said the whole reason we, the world was created was so that it shouldn't be nama de kisufa, that we shouldn't be given handouts and gifts, that the spiritual progress we experience, the human development we experience, the neshoma that grows, the olam haba that we build is something we earned, we worked on, we invested in. That gives us ownership and schut. What's important here is Lefichar Zacha Binyomin. So Binyomin got ownership of the fact it wasn't no, it was no longer coincidence. It was no longer just something Hashem decided, something that was it was Nigzam in Hashemayim. Why is the Shino in Binyomin's area? So you could answer Nigzam in Hashemayim. Hashem just treated that way, and, and Binyomin could see that Beruach Hakodesh already long, long, long ago. End of story. Yes, it's true that Hashem did that, but don't underestimate Binyomin's ownership of that which means that even in the past, you can take ownership of something that happened to you or you can feel like a victim. We're talking about the half of the past and that will change the effect of the past on you in the present and in the future. So Viktor Frankl comes out of the terrible life of the Holocaust and doesn't live as a victim. He lives as a, as a hero, as a master. What have I learned from this? My wife has an interesting saying. She says everything in, li- in life, particularly in the past, is either a lesson or a gift. You can get everything. It's either an opportunity to learn and grow or it's a gift. And I think we can add a third one. Or it's a reward for an investment. Either it's given to you or you've earned it and it's yours or it's a lesson that you've got and which is also something that you've earned and that you've got to get from. So you, Binyomin changes his attitude and he says, I'm sorry, I wish I had the whole the whole." the whole uh, area of the Mizbech. Not that I'm trying to change reality. I know that's how it's going to be. But it upsets me that I don't have the whole one. That sadness is an investment in that past, which means that that past, the fact that the Yehuda has a piece of Binyomin's territory, in fact, enriches Binyomin. 
it uplifts Binyomi. It makes him suitable to have the Shekhinah in his presence, not just because Hashem decreed it that way, but because he deserves it, because he's earned it. You can look back at your past and own it and deserve it and, and draw from it. And you can look back at your past and you can say, oh, yo, yo, look what's happened to me. And that's what's going to affect you. What's going to affect you is not the past. What's going to affect you is your approach to the past. Uh, Rabbi Isai, with this piece of knowledge, with this mashor, the answer to this mashor is kasha, you and your family can save thousands of dollars of therapy. Because how much of therapy is about, oh, you've had this difficult childhood, you had your difficulties and how it's impacted you and how it's affected you. Nonsense. What's affecting you is your attitude to it. You can't change that. But you are complete master of your attitude to it. Just as Binyomin was able to become owner of something that was predetermined, and although it caused him sadness, he could turn that sadness into positive energy and positive force, so much so that with that he earned the right to have the Shekhinah in his presence. If Binyomin can do that, that's a property that all of the Jewish people have. We have the capability of looking back into the past, taking ownership of it instead of feeling a victim of it, changing our attitude to the past, and through that earning the past, owning the past, deserving the past, and being able to extract the richness of the past to make our current circumstance better and more impactful in our lives.